So uh, we're starting a new series called Worry. If you would like these notes, just send an email to info at bridgechurch.cc. If you're on social media, just put uh, hashtag don't worry. Um, I am battling a little bit of a cold right now. Uh, when you have a family of six and one kid gets a cold, everyone's going to have it for about a month or so. Uh, so I sound maybe a little bit more like Barry White this morning instead of Jeremy White. But some, some of you are like, no, you sound like Jeremy White with a cold. But anyway. A man worried constantly about everything. Then one day his friends heard him whistling happily and looking notice, noticeably relaxed. What happened, they asked him in astonishment. He said, I'm paying a man to do my worrying for me. How much do you pay him, they asked. $2,000 a week, he replied. Wow, how can you afford that? I can't, he said, but that's his worry. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice if we could just pay someone? Some of, some of you, there was a little delay there. That's okay, I'll take it, I'll take it. Um, wouldn't that be nice if we could just pay someone uh, to, to, to take our worries away? But that's not reality. Uh, we can all relate to worry, whether it's something big or small in our lives. Maybe it's your finances, uh, maybe debt, uh, maybe your marriage, your kids, your job, your health, uh, your house. I know for me right now, uh, we're dealing with a hot water that looks like it's maybe on its last leg, so hopefully it can just change the element, and, or my father-in-law change the element because they don't want me touching it, and uh, hopefully that will work. Um, you know, when you're under stress, when you have a lack of sleep, your nerves are like that thin, and uh, that's kind of where I'm at right now, and, um, uh, you know, I, uh, I snapped at uh, my son this morning right before I was leaving for church, not Declan, he's only six months, so he's pretty obedient, <laughs> but, uh, but cash and got in his face, and, and um, I tell you what, man, there's nothing worse than, like, yelling at your kids right before church, <laughs> you know? And not only that, but then when you're preaching the message. <laughs> ah, so I had to, like, he was in the preschool room today, and I had to go up there and give him a big hug, and I'm like, you know, sorry. And he doesn't really care. He just wants to play with his toys. But I at least made, made the effort. But you know me. I'm just getting real up here. Um, sorry. Um, I, want, I, I came across this, this study about what worrying does to your health. And uh, this article was out of the U.K., and uh, it was pretty enlightening, so just want to share this. It says, worrying can, worrying can have a negative effect on your health, making you tired, stressed, speed up the aging process, and sometimes more prone to depression. What worrying does to your body, your body responds to your anxiety the same way it would react to physical danger. To help you cope with the physical demands you're about to ask your body to perform, your brain releases stress hormones like adrenaline or cortisol into the bloodstream. They trigger a range of physical reactions that will equip your body for action. Your heart rate will increase, <clears throat> your breathing becomes heavier, and you may sweat more. You may also become pale as the blood moves away from the skin towards the muscles to help them prepare for fight or flight situation your worry has created. The fight or flight response is your body's instinctive reaction to danger. Unconsciously, your body prepares itself to either run away from danger or becomes very alert in order to fight predators. But many of the things we worry about today cannot be dealt with by fighting or running away. Credit card bills, bad relationships, or stress at work cannot be dealt with physically. So our body remains in a state of anxiety, ready for action. This means 
the stress hormones are still circulating in the bloodstream. Over a prolonged period of time, raised levels of these chemicals can start to have a toxic effect on the glands, nervous system, and the heart, eventually leading to heart attacks, increased risk of stroke, and stomach ulcers. Because your body has tensed, ready to respond to the threat you are feeling, this muscle tension can turn into aches and pains, causing headaches, back pain, weak legs, and trembling. This tension can also affect your digestive system, and I won't go into detail about that, what that can look like. You may also become more prone to infections. It is widely accepted that stress and anxiety can lower your immune system. Huh, right here, that's I'm preaching myself here. Uh, making you more susceptible to picking up colds or more serious illnesses. With excessive worry, our immune systems have little time to recover, so you become even more tired and lethargic. How worry affects your brain. Excessive worry disrupts your peace of mind, making it harder for you to concentrate one task at a time. This means it may also be difficult for you to fall asleep at night. Once you are suffering from insomnia, many worries start to worry, many worriers start to worry about that as well, making their symptoms even worse. Loss of libido is another symptom of worrying. To have a fulfilling sex life, you need to feel healthy and relaxed in body and mind. When you are worn down by worry, you are neither. Now, I have the guy's attention right now because I'm talking about sex. So. <laughs> worry may also make you absent-minded or neglectful of your health. You may, you may feel too stressed to eat properly, so you are not getting enough vitamins and minerals in your diets. This could speed up the aging process as you are not replenishing your skin, muscles, or brain with the right nutrients from, from your food. Excessive worry could even lead into depression. If you start to worry about everyone and everything day and night, feel that life is unfair and justice does not exist, or become paranoid that people will betray you, these could be the first warning signs of depression. That speak to some of you? Um, some of you I may have just read to a T on, uh, on what you're going through right now. <clears throat> Worrying can literally shorten your life. Worrying can literally shorten your life. Um, I know if, especially if you have kids or if you have grandkids right now, you want to live as long as, as, as you can to make as many memories with them as possible. But if you keep on worrying, if you allow worrying and worry to just uh, dictate your lives, you're going to cut your year short. You're going to cut your year short. Um, this is why we're doing this series, because so many of us struggle with worry, which is not, does not only affect us personally, but those we love the most. Our worrying doesn't just affect us, it affects those that we love the most. <clears throat> so I have three points uh, this morning that I want to make about worry. Point one, worry means there is a lack of intimacy with Jesus. Worrying means there is a lack of intimacy with Jesus. When something difficult happens to you, who is the first person you tell? Is it a spouse? Is it a best friend? Is it a sibling? Uh, you are probably in regular conversation with them. Uh, they have proven their love by their actions. 
So they don't just say that they're a friend, but they're actually there for you. Um, you know, I have intimacy with my wife because I talk to her on the good days and the bad days constantly. If you're just talking to Jesus when bad things happen, you will never have true and real intimacy with the Father. When you have a lack of intimacy with Jesus, you focus on your circumstances instead of your Savior. When you are, are focusing on your worries, you know, we, we talk about worship. Worship is whatever consumes your thoughts, whatever consumes your mind. Some of you are worshiping worry right now because that's what's consuming your mind. That's consuming your thoughts, and, and, and you can't worship Jesus if you're worshiping worry. I'm preaching the preacher right now. Christianity is friendship with God. Don't settle for anything less. That's what, that's what sets apart Christianity from every other religion out there. Christianity is friendship with God. If you don't have a friendship with God, you got to really take a look and say, okay, what is my relationship with God all about if I don't have that friendship? Now, some of you really struggle in thinking you can be friends with God. And you're like, like, like show me, where, like, where is that in the Bible? Well, John 15, 15 says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. So here, Jesus calls you friends. He calls you partners. And he wants to share himself with you. You can know your Bible cover to cover. But if you do not know Jesus intimately, you are completely missing it. I want you to think about a command in a new light. The third commandment says, do not take the Lord's name in vain. Now, just like me and just like you, uh, this was always taught to me as a kid about do not say, oh my God, or good Lord, or Jesus Christ as an exclamation. And that's true. I mean, you guys are all taught that, right? But a friend of mine points out that this was not just a command on how to use God's name, but also how to take his name. Here's an example. In times past, there was a girl named Sabrina Rousset. And on the second greatest day of her life, first becoming knowing Jesus, on the second day of, of her life, the greatest day of her life, she became Sabrina White. And when she was here on Thursday, I made sure that she shook her head yes, because that would have totally ruined my illustration if she would have been like, no. Um, when she took my name, she became part of me, one with me. When you became a Christian... You took God's name, I am. The properties of the I am became yours. You became one with God, 
what he has, you have. You became a participant in the divine nature, says Peter, an inheritor of the divine promises, says Paul. All the promises of God are yes, for you are one with him. When you say no to God or falter in obedience or cower before an assignment that he's given you, because you think I am not blank, I am not smart enough, I am not good-looking enough, I am not whatever it is, whatever your not is, you are taking his name in vain. Because though I am not, and though you are not as, as believers, he is, and we are one with him. When you say, I am so stupid, I am a loser, I am such a terrible mom, God says, I am not any of those things. And if I am in you, you are not either. What I am, you are. Stop taking my name in vain. You say, but God, I'm so dysfunctional. <laughs> Whoa, yeah. And he says, yet I'm so complete. You say, I'm so deficient. He says, I'm so sufficient. You say, I'm so doubtful. He says, I am so faithful. You say, I'm so sinful. He says, I am so graceful. I am so weak, but I am so strong. Whatever you're not, whatever you need, whatever you did not get from your parents or your teachers, whatever you are not getting from someone else, I am. I am. When the pharaohs in your lives say to us, who do you think you are? You can say, I don't think I am anything, but I know the great I am. And when the haters in your own hearts whisper, you are not, we shout back, you are right. But he is, and I am in him. C.S. Lewis said, I read in a periodical the other day that the fundamental thing is how we think about God. It is not so. How God thinks about us is not only more important, but infinitely more important. Indeed, how we think of him is of no importance ex except insofar as it is related to how, how he thinks of us. Not saying what you think about God is not important, but what he thinks about you what he has become to you. The gospel is not that you were awesome and he chose you. It's that you were a hot mess and he saved you. When you were unrighteous, he gave you righteousness. And Paul says that just as he did that, so he will give you power when you are powerless. Do you feel powerless in your situation right now? And when, you're, when you falter, he will hold faithful. Not how I hold on to him, but how he holds on to me. He will never let you go. Listen, I love my kids. I will, I will do anything for my kids. Even if they make the worst mistake that you can make, I will never disown them. I will pursue their hearts until I take my last breath on this earth. 
If we are that way with our kids, how much more is our creator with us? That he will never let go of you. He will never let go of you. All this to say, oftentimes our lack of intimacy with Jesus is because we have a wrong perspective of how Jesus sees us. Listen, you cannot have intimacy with someone if you don't think they love you. You can't have intimacy with someone if you don't think they like you. There's many of you in this worship auditorium this morning that feel that you feel that God just tolerates you. That he just puts up with you because that's what he has to do because he died on the cross so he just got to, I mean, until he takes you home, he just got to like grudgingly like love you. That's not who God is. That's not who he is. We are, I think we are our toughest critic, man. We are so harsh with ourselves. And I mean, you know, you think, you think the Holy Spirit just goes around all day long, you know, just behind you, and it's like, man, I can't believe you did that. I'm disappointed in that. Like, oh, and you're my kid. Like, I mean, all day long, man. <laughs> That's not who he is. That's not who he is. Point two. Worry puts you in control. Worship puts God in control. Elijah Water said that. Worry puts you in control. Worship puts God in control. Man, and this is for the type A's out here. I am one of them. You know, you like everything. You like, I mean, you just like to be in control, man. God is showing me that you are not in control. Listen, on Friday... I clean the house for a couple hours, and you can't even tell, buddy, with four kids, 700. <laughs> I am not in control of my own house anymore. It's just the way it is, all right? Worrying is obsessing about the things that are out of your control, the unknown of what lies ahead. Worrying is obsessing about the things that are out of your control. You're not in control. You're not in control. And until you realize that, you will not live a joyful life. I mean, something's always going to come up. Something always comes up. And it's almost like God's way of saying, I'm here. You trust me? I'm in control. Like, see all those stars? Like, I place those. You know, I, I, I called everything into existence. We have all made poor decisions, and maybe right now there are consequences you are facing because of those. But nothing happens without God allowing it to happen. You are so consumed with failures and doubt that you can't see God is shaping and preparing you for something greater. God gives us free will. He, he gives us an opportunity to make choices, good choices and poor choices. But even in poor choices, things that we have regrets, things we want to go back and fix that we can't, God is still shaping you and preparing you. And nothing is a wasted experience. You can't change what you did, but you can be obedient now. You can depend on God right now, and you can leave the results to him. You can't change anything in the past. Be obedient right now, all right, October 18th. Be obedient now. Depend on God and leave the rest to him. 
Listen, this is free. God is in charge no matter what happens next. No matter what happens next, right now, in your situation, no matter what happens to Pastor Farrell when he gets those results on Wednesday, God is in charge of next. When we worry, we torment ourselves. We're doing the devil's job for him. I read that quote this week. When we worry, we torment ourselves, we're doing the devil's job for him. Man, I'm tired of doing the devil's job for him. Life is tough enough. You know, it's funny, the majority of things we worry about never even happen. Story of Jacob and Esau. You have uh, Jacob who stole his brother Esau's birthright. And he flees. Jacob's gone, buddy. Because he thinks Esau is ticked off and going to come after him and even kill him. So years pass by. Jacob sees Esau on the horizon. With 400 men coming towards him. What do you think Jacob was feeling? I mean, he, like, he puts, he puts like his whole family in the back of, of where all the people are at, and he goes out to meet his brother. And he's probably thinking, this is it. Genesis 33.4 says, But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck, and kissed him. Wow. Could you imagine what Jacob must have been feeling? I mean, he thinks Esau is going to come to kill him. And, and his brother just embraces him and, and kisses him. And, and I could see them like, you know, his brother like just Esau jumping on Jacob and then falling on the ground and, and, and giving him a big old bear hug. Because God worked in that situation. Can you imagine what Jacob must have I mean, what, he, what his thought process must have been for years, thinking about what, what would have happened. God is going to give you reminders throughout life to let you know that you are not in control. What reminder is he giving you right now? Point three. It's 11.55, and I'm on point three. <laughs> Worrying is focusing on our inabilities instead of trusting who God is. Worrying is focusing on our inabilities instead of trusting God who he is. God speaks to Moses, and he says, he tells Moses, he said, he said, Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh and I wanted you to tell them to let my people go, and I want you to tell all the Israelites that I'm going to deliver them, and I'm going to use you. And Moses is making all these excuses of why he can't do it. And in Exodus 3.10, God speaks to Moses and says, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And Moses says, well, whom shall I say sent me? God says, tell Moses... God says, tell, tell Moses, say, I am sent you. 
I am sent you. That's all you need to know. J.D. Greer said, God doesn't really want the guy that says, oh, I know God will pick me. I'm awesome. He wants people who are broken, who feel insufficient, empty vessels who allow him to work through them, who know to lean on God and not themselves. This is going to be refreshing for you guys. Feeling inadequate is a prerequisite for being used by God. Feeling inadequate is a prerequisite for being used by God. You bring all kinds of deficiencies, worries, insecurities, and feelings of inadequacy. Louis Giglio says, you don't need to sweat anything in your life because look who is calling you. His name is I am. You say, who could possibly be smart enough to figure this all out? God says, I am. How am I supposed to know which way to go? God says, I am. Whom can I trust? I am. I'm not sure who is really on my team. I am. Does some of you feel all alone right now? Thinking you got to do this on your own? You say, nobody's listening to me. God says, I am. My marriage is crashing and I don't know where to turn. I am. I had always hoped for a marriage and kids and a family, but it seems like that time has passed me by. I am. I'm 50 years old and I feel like I'm starting all over again in life. I am. Everyone thinks I can't do it. I am. What if I fail again? I am. I'm not sure I believe anymore. I am. I have given all I can give and it's not enough. I am. I'm pouring into everybody, but nobody is pouring into me. I am. I'm not done. I can't hold on. I am. I'm tired. I am. I quit. I am. I need a drink or fix or hit. I am. I need a lover. I am. I need a fresh start. I am. I just need somebody to hold me. I am. I am. He will complete and fulfill every desire in your heart that no human can ever do. In the Gospel of John, we see Jesus repeatedly taking the name I am and declaring it to our weaknesses. The name I am dominates the Gospel of John. To those who feel in darkness, he says, I am the light. To those who thirst, I am the living water. To those who feel lost, I am the way. To the confused, I am the truth. To those under the curse of death, I am the life. To those who feel insufficient, he says, I am the good shepherd. To those who need a fresh start, I am the door. To those crushed by guilt, do you just have so much guilt in your heart right now that you don't know what to do with? To those crushed by guilt, he says, I am the resurrection and life. To the unrighteous, he says, I am your righteous covering. To the powerless, he says, I will be your defense. To the empty, he says, I'll be your fullness. To the, to the dead, he says, 
I'll be your resurrection. And to the defeated, he says, I will be your hope. Oswald Chambers, and I always got to preach with an Oswald Chambers quote. Love that guy. He says, have you been asking God what he is going to do in your circumstance? God does not tell you what he is going to do. He reveals to you who he is. Who he is. You want to know what God's going to do. And God says, I'm going to reveal to you who I am. Who cares if we get what we want? If we don't come to know who he is more. I want this. This is temporary. This is forever. This is eternity. Jesus says to his disciples in Luke 12, 32, Fear not, little flock. I love that. It's like so like tender and compassionate. He's talking to his disciples. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. To give you the kingdom. To give you everything. To give you everything that I have. To give you everything I experience. What is the kingdom? It is his righteousness. It is peace, joy, now, and forevermore. God wants to give you the kingdom now, but it's not going to come into full completion until you're in heaven with him. Resting in the Lord does not depend on external circumstances at all, but your relationship to God himself. If you are letting your circumstances and situations run your life, God says, I want to give you rest. I want to give you rest. Could you imagine what your life would look like if you lived like a friend of God? How would your life look differently if you lived like a friend of God? Could you imagine a life of peace, joy, and rest? Man, I want that. I want that peace, joy, and rest. Jesus, let it be. Help me, help me quit being so focused on my external circumstances that I can't find rest in you. Like, Jesus, like you are my best friend. You are the love of my soul. We just get so wrapped up in the things of this world. And there's coming a day, man, you know, all that's going to pass away. And when I embrace Jesus, it's going to be all worth it. It's going to be all worth it. I don't know what you're going through. You know, I just met, I met a man yesterday who lost his son to a drug, drug addiction five years ago. And man, he was just, he was just in tears and it was, it, was, it was supposed to be a joyful moment yesterday, and, but he's, he just started sobbing, you know, because his son wasn't able to be there for this special occasion. I just, I can't imagine, like, his dad, like, you know, you have all these hopes and dreams for your kids, and then just like that, man, it's, it's just cr- it's crushed. 
And maybe some of you right now have, have, have kids that have just wandered away, and, and as a parent, that just breaks your heart. But know, like, God is, God is working behind the scenes. And he just wants you to trust him. And he loves your child more than you could ever love him. I'm going to ask the band to come on up right now. I want to say something right now, and then we're going we're gonna to pray, and then we're going to go into a worship song. Listen, until there is intimacy, worship, and trust. Intimacy, worship, and trust. Worry, fear, and anxiety will be part of the legacy you will leave. And you will pass down until those intimacy, worship, and trust, worry, fear, and anxiety will be part of the legacy you leave. I don't want to leave that legacy. I don't want to, I don't want to leave that, that legacy to my four beautiful kids. I don't want to leave that legacy to my grandkids. I'm 37 years old, and it's, it, it has already started. Your legacy just doesn't start when you're like 60 and 70. It starts right now. But God can make all things new. He can make things beautiful. So I just ask that you close your eyes right now. God, I just thank you for my church family. I thank you, God, that I don't have to pretend and act like I have it all together. I'm, I'm a mess, Lord, but in you I am everything. And you've been so good to me. You've been so good in my family. Forgive me for comparing. Forgive me for not living this joyful life. God, I want peace, but I can't find it in things of this world. I can't find it in the circumstances that, that maybe work in my favor, Lord. I, I, that, could, that could happen. I could still not have peace in my life. Jesus, when you came to the cross... You just didn't carry our sins, but you also carried our worries, our fears, and our anxieties. And church family, if you don't cast your cares to Christ, you will have to carry them on your own. Cast means to hurl and fling. For those of you who fish, you cast your line out as far as as away as you can. You throw your worries, your fears and anxieties to Jesus. Many of you come here with heavy burdens, with worries that are consuming your thoughts. You might even be scared because you don't know what's going to happen. But you know what? Your father knows about it, and he's going to take care of it. He's in control of what happens next. And maybe it's not what you're wanting, but it's what's best. With all eyes closed, as a sign to God, if you have any worries that you bring here this morning, would you just raise your hands, acknowledging whatever that worry is? Just raise them up. Just say, God, I, man, there's hands everywhere. Hands up everywhere. Keep your eyes closed. God, 
you know, you know, these are, these are your people. You love them. And you're reminding them that they can cast it upon you. You can put your hands down. Keep your eyes closed. Maybe one of your worries is where you are spending eternity. You will be restless forever until you connect with Jesus and trust him with your life. And it's not simply enough to know about Jesus, but you have to admit that you are a, a sinner in need of a Savior. That you believe he walked the earth, that you died, that he died for your sins, that he rose from the dead. Tell God that you don't want to be in control anymore, but you want to give him control of your life. With all eyes closed, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and make the most important decision of your life to be a Christian and to be a friend of God. One, God loves you. Two, you will never be the same. Three, lift up your hand if you want to live a worry-free life, if you want Jesus to be Lord of your life. I see hands up. I see hands up. Come on, is there anyone else that needs to make a commitment to Jesus this morning before you walk out these doors? You can put your hands down. If you want to look up here. What can God do in you and through you? I'm telling you what, folks. I was going through this message less than 24 hours to prepare, and I was not feeling confident on Thursday. Like, I was, I was working. I was still in my pajamas at 6.30 p.m. working on this message since 8 o'clock that morning. Service starts in, at 7 in a half hour. And I was just like, God, I don't, I mean, I just, here it is. And I'm telling you what, there was probably nearly 20 decisions for Christ on Thursday and today. That's what God does. All right. Listen, I have, I have never, I've been in ministry for 13 years. I've never seen a response like I have this week. And God, just a reminder to me, you know, that God's saying to me, Jeremy, I'll take whatever you have, and I will anoint it. God will take whatever you have right now, and he will anoint it. If you just come to him in obedience and surrender. And we're going to sing one more song. We're going to sing this, My Heart is Yours Again. These altars are going to be open if you want to come up here. Uh, man, if you just want to kneel down the altar and have your time with God, if you want someone to pray, we'll, we'll be here. Some people will be, be, be available to pray with you. And I just ask that you would use this time. Use this time right now. Don't worry about anything else. Use this time right now to connect with God. Your circumstances might not change, but everything inside of you can change. And that's what matters. I love you guys.